Well, hello, Heartland, and happy Easter. It is great to be together on this celebration day. Welcome to our 9 o'clock live stream. And we're just going to celebrate what millions have done already today and in history, that Jesus is risen from the dead. Uh, this declaration, this demonstration, as Paul says, one of our early church fathers, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The words of Jesus Christ when he walked the earth was, I am the resurrection, I am the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet he lives. So in these troubling times, when we've got the waves that toss us, the cares of this life, we actually have an anchor that holds. It's Jesus in us, the hope of glory. We have a certain hope that is our anchor. And if you have the Son, Jesus says you have life. He that does not have the Son does not have life. And it's our hope and prayer today as you join in the comfort of your home, whether you're on the big screen or the small screen, that you would worship with us this risen Jesus. We're going to worship together here in a moment. Why don't you pray with me? Father, we just say thank you for giving of your Son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for giving your life as a sacrifice. You died on a cruel cross. You were buried, but then three days later, you rose again from the dead. And we're just so thankful that you are alive. You have conquered death. You've given us victory. It's ours. It's certain. It is sure. And we celebrate that today. And we worship you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to read some scripture now, and if you have your Bible close by or um, the Bible app, um, go ahead and grab it and turn to John 20, 1 through 18. And if you don't have your Bible nearby, um, the words will also be on the screen. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? 
thinking he was the gardener, she said. Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. God, we thank you for your resurrection account. As we remember those words and hear them, we choose to step into that story today. In your name, Jesus, amen. Well, moments like this can reveal something about us. Moments like this show us what's beneath the surface. It's, it's like that iceberg adage that says 90% of an iceberg is actually below the surface. It's really unfathomable and an interesting thought about icebergs, but I wonder for you and I, what's beneath the surface? And in a moment like this, COVID pandemic season, what do we sense is beneath the surface? I, uh, I bit my lip 10 days ago. I was just chewing too fast, and I, it was a good one. Like, I smashed my bottom lip between my teeth, and, uh, and I felt it immediately. And then within 24, 48 hours, and I hesitate to share this with you because, A, it's a little gross, and B, it tells you what's underneath the surface for me. But within 24, 48 hours, this biting of my lip had turned into just a massive canker sore. And... There's just a few friends in the room, so I don't mind sharing this. And it multiplied. It was like now two or three, and it was gnarly, and, and my bottom lip was swollen. And by the way, I, I have a big bottom lip, <laughs> and now it was just swollen, and I could hardly speak. So it's a stay-at-home lockdown day, and I'm with the kids. My wife, Anna, is a nurse, and she's working her shift at KU Medical Center. And, and so I'm home with the kids, and I have a six-year-old and a two-year-old. And the two-year-old is, is in this mode right now where she says no like an umpire calling a strike. No! And at lunch one day, her favorite thing lately is throwing her food onto the floor. Normative two-year-old behavior, but... On this particular quarantine day, it made me snap. I went over and I picked her up to take her to timeout. And as I did, my anger went somewhere. My anger in my body went and it went to my lips. And I squeezed down and clenched my lips. In the moment, I knew exactly what I'd done. I just re-aggravated this sore and set the healing back two or three days, knowing that I'd have to speak on this stage just a few days later. And so now I'm just like, my own weakness, my own anger that can't 
handle itself is now manifesting, and that's what's beneath the surface of the iceberg for me. What about you? What is coming to the surface? What are you noticing during these really long days, during these really stressful days? I want to point us to two characters whose stories we just heard. They are the best kind of friends. They are super loyal. One is a married disciple of Jesus, Peter. The other one is a single woman, Mary Magdalene, who has joined Jesus' crew. They're really kind. They're they're impulsive, too. They do what they want to do, and they seem to struggle also with depression as I look at their lives. As we step into their stories, I want to invite you to see your story in their story. Because they each have a crisis response that's happening in their lives. On Friday, their leader, their best friend, their reason for living has been taken from the planet. And they are in a crisis. And one of them chooses to shelter at home and locks himself in at home with his friends and decides that he cannot venture out. He can't do it. And the other, Mary Magdalene, does something very different. She goes on a walk. First, Peter's story. Here's where he finds himself. A week ago was a very different place in their world because people had laid out their jackets and allowed Jesus to ride through and said he was king. And all of his disciples got to experience that same adoration. And that was Sunday, just a week ago. And by Thursday night, Peter knew things had changed. He grabbed his sword because he knew that things could get real bad real quick. And he went with Jesus to the garden. And it was at the garden where he knew that things were different. Jesus was, was really tense. Peter, hand on his sword, sees the the armed soldiers coming to get Jesus. And Jesus tells them, take me, let, let my disciples go. And that's when Peter grabs his sword. He grabs his sword and flings it at the closest person he can, slicing off one of the guard's ears. Jesus screams, no more of this! And they all scatter. Jesus has saved them and given himself up. Peter can't stay away. He can't stay away, and so he follows, and at a distance, he looks for Jesus. He finds him being put through a mock trial and being beaten up, and he's warming himself by a fire where where someone asks him, you're one of his disciples, and he denies it. And it's around this fire two more times where he just says, I don't know Jesus. So Peter is on Sunday morning in isolation. He's locked himself in his house. I don't know about you, but for Peter, it seems that fear, fear of those who would hurt him, fear of failure, failure that has now seemed to define him, 
seem to overtake. And for you and I, I can feel those same things. This fear of, I can't see my friends right now, so does that mean my friendships are fading away? I worked really hard for those friendships. Or a sense of failure where you just cannot win right now. Let's turn to Mary's story. Mary finds herself walking with some friends on Sunday morning. Now, what you have to know about Mary is before she met Jesus, Mary's life was a wreck, possessed by manic behavior, all the things that can tempt you and I to live uncontrollable lives, Mary's life was filled with. And then she met Jesus and became this deeply grounded, whole human person. There's a sense that before she met Jesus, she tried to find people to care for her, to love her, and they just got what they wanted from her and left her behind. Jesus, when he met her, welcomed her into his family. And so here Mary is. She's on the way to the tomb. She, she has that feeling that you and I have had when you have said goodbye to a loved one, a friend, and you, you just need to go visit because in visiting them, you sense that you're close to them. Peter and Mary are, are like you and I in a lot of ways. There's a sense that for Mary, she is dedicated yet destroyed. She's wanting to honor Jesus' life, but doesn't know why this is happening. For Peter, there's a sense that he's worried. He can't leave his house. He's really worried about what people will do to him, and he's wallowing in his sense of failure. For you, who do you identify more with? A Mary who is somehow hopeful and still confused about the happenings of the day? Or are you like Peter who can't seem to get out of bed? Both these individuals, it's, uh, it's really powerful to see what happens next. Because... They're at the tomb. And now I want you to imagine yourself as if you're in the story and you're at the tomb and Mary and the girlfriends get there and when they get there, they see the stone rolled away. And they immediately are horrified because it was supposed to be sealed and, and now they are horrified and now they have more questions than answers and they begin to run and they begin to run back home, back to the disciples' house. They run to Peter and they run and knock on the door and say, let us in. The tomb the stone, it's not, it's not in front. Any, and the disciples think that they are on some kind of grief adrenaline and that they're just crazy. But Peter puts on his shoes. 
Peter puts on his shoes. He starts to hightail it and run to the tomb, which is less than a mile outside of town. And he's booking it. And another disciple, John, has joined him. And Mary Magdalene has left, and she trails them. And they're running now back to the tomb. They get there, Peter and John, and and they walk inside something Mary hasn't done yet into the tomb. They walk inside of the tomb and they see the face linens lying where his head was. They see the linens that wrapped his body lying on the shelf. They are distraught, they're confused, they don't know what to believe, and they begin to run back because they need to piece this together. They need to talk to their friends. They need to run, and they do. And that's when it's just Mary. You see, the the iceberg has emerged for each of them. Now know what lies beneath the surface, and it's fear and worry and isolation and sadness. That's how they're responding to this crisis. And Mary finds herself at the tomb alone, in tears. And it's, it's the make your eyeballs hurt kind of cry. And she peers into the tomb to see what they have seen. And as she looks in, she sees two men dressed in white. She asks herself, is this a dream? And then the two men dressed in white speak to her and say, why are you crying? And she says, they've taken him. He's, he's gone. Tell me where they've taken him. His body, she means, like, it's gone. Tell me. She begins to leave, and there's a figure in the doorway, and she assumes it's the gardener and says, you're the they, You're the one who's taken him. Tell me where you put him, sir. Tell me where his body is. Why are you crying, he says to her. And this is the second ridiculous question in two minutes that she's been asked. And she says, just tell me where he is. Mary. She sees him. It's Jesus. She falls to her knees and says, Teacher. A few days later, Peter is not hiding at home anymore, but he's hiding in his fishing boat because that's what you do when you don't know what to do. And he's on the boat. He's fishing, and they are toiling, catching nothing. And there is someone on the shore that says, How about you throw your nets on the right side of the boat? And not the left side of the boat. And they do. And immediately they haul in a ton of fish. Someone on the boat says, that person looks like Jesus. And Peter looks closer and sees that it just might be. He puts his jacket on. He jumps into the water. He swims 100 yards and finds that a fire has been built. And that fish are being grilled. And that bread is baked. And Jesus is there. And Jesus says to him, this is in John chapter 21, I want you to see this verse. Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
he harkens back to the last fire he was at. On that Thursday night, where three times he had said he didn't know Jesus, and Jesus gives him this name and says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he asks him a total of three times. You and I are here on a Sunday morning. And sometimes I imagine that you, if like me, are trying to find a room in your house that doesn't have someone in it. (laughs) You're trying to find some level of, like, aloneness. And maybe you're on the other side where you're a single person living alone, and you would desperately trade seats with that person right now. Maybe you're in the grocery store walking down a one-way aisle, avoiding eye contact and touching anyone else or coming into their vicinity. And you can sense the stress. Or maybe you are not sleeping. Maybe you're not sleeping and and COVID has taught you your own coping mechanisms because you're having some dreams you can't shake or there's an addiction that has become really, really safe for you in this season. Maybe you're a kid. You're like this is the worst. (laughs) I don't know where you find yourself. But here's what I believe. That Jesus is saying your name today. That he has your name on his lips. That he wants you to look at him and he wants to say, I love you. And he wants to say your name. Would you, this might be kind of weird, but but would you just think about your name for a moment? Shibu is my name. I'm sitting here with a Paul and an Emily and a Nick. But Jesus says your name. See, it's it's the empty grave that actually brings Peter and Mary's stories together. It's the empty grave that causes them to run towards each other as a group of disciples and say to one another, he's risen. Like, I saw him. He spoke to me. He said my name. I want to invite the band up to do our last portion of music. And during the song, I want you just to think about and reflect on what this means for you, that the grave is empty and that Jesus speaks your name. The empty grave answers all of their deepest questions about, is there a hope? Is there a future? Does God care about me? For Peter and Mary, the resounding answer of the empty grave is, yes, he loves you and cares for you, and for you, my friends, the same is true. So whether you find yourself like Peter or Mary or somewhere in between, today, 
the empty grave speaks power and hope and life to you. What's really interesting is that Peter and Mary offer something back to Jesus. Mary says, Rabboni, which is teacher, and, and Peter says, my Lord, yes, I love you. And for some of you, you've heard Jesus say your name in this moment. Through this screen, God is using his spirit to communicate to you. And you feel it, like you feel him saying your name. And your response can just be, Lord, God, I love you. That's enough for today. That's what we need to move forward. The empty grave silences all of our doubts for today. And tomorrow, we have each other to do this again. And the empty grave will draw you into community, into this sense of you can be vulnerable and you can share your brokenness, you can share where you're feeling like a failure with someone and the empty grave is louder than any of those feelings. Let's pray. God, during this next song, would you speak to the eight-year-old, to the 18-year-old, to the elderly 80-year-old? Would you speak, God, to every person that is opening up their heart to you right now. We want to see you, Jesus. We want to hear you say our name. There is comfort when you speak to us, and so we silent our, silence our hearts and we rest to hear your voice. In your name, Jesus, amen. Well, the truth is this. You were on his mind when he was on the cross. You and I were on his mind and in his heart when he rose again from the dead. And just as Shabu has talked about today, your name, your life is on his mind. Jesus knows you by name today. He knows me by name today. And on, in these uncertain times, Jesus is calling out our name. And he actually invites us to call on his name. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved for with our mouth we confess that Jesus is Lord and in our hearts we believe that God has raised him from the dead. God tells us we will be saved. So today, if you've called on his name, you can continue to call for strength if you've never called on his name before and you hear a nudge in your heart, he's calling your name today, you can call on his name and say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe that you rose again from the dead and just invite you into my life. I need you. I need help in this season. And if you need help with that, we've got a connect room. You can go there for processing. You can go there for prayer. You'll see a, 
a link to that on the screen, or you can go to heartlandchurch.org and look for the blue slide that says Connect Room. The Connect Room is now open, so feel the freedom. If you want prayer, you want to continue to process, we'd love to celebrate with you in that way. And we just want to wish you a happy Easter, Heartland. God bless you today.